You're listening to Girls with Grafts, a burn community podcast created by Phoenix Society for Burn Survivors, a leading nonprofit dedicated to supporting the burn community. In this podcast, we'll talk with burn survivors, share resources to help with supporting and improving burn recovery, and discuss how to prevent burn injuries. Here are your hosts, burn survivors and Phoenix Society's marketing team, Amber Wilcox and Rachel Kudlak. Hello and welcome back to Girls with Graphs. I am Rachel Kudlak. I'm one of the hosts of the podcast and I am joined by my lovely co-host Amber Wilcox. Hey there, how's it going? It is going well. I am excited for today's podcast per usual, but it's another one where we have two guests. So I always love when we have many voices and faces on on Girls with Graphs. Awesome. Well, um, with that said, I'm going to let you kick it off with our um, sponsor for today's podcast. So want to give a quick shout out. Uh, Go ahead, Rachel. Yeah, we definitely want to give a shout out to uh, our Phoenix partner, Exerco Medical. Exerco engineers high precision products for both the healthcare and tissue bank professionals and are dedicated to advancing the healing power of skin to patients who need it most. So you can learn more about Exerco Medical by visiting their website, which we will have linked in the show's description. Awesome. Yes, a special thanks to them for sure. Yes, yes. And without further ado, we have a sister duo on today's podcast. So I'm so excited to welcome Alexa and Jacqueline Child to the show today. Alexa, who is one of the co-founders of Datability, graduated from Georgetown Law in 2015 and currently works as a public interest attorney. Through witnessing her sister's experience with disability, Alexa has become an advocate and ally for the disability community. She's passionate about social justice, enjoys TV and film, and loves all things Halloween. And then we also have Jacqueline with us today, who is the other co-founder of Datability, who has turned her experience with disability and chronic illness into a new venture. She created Datability with their sister after years of discouraging ableist experiences on the mainstream dating apps. When she isn't managing her health, Jacqueline enjoys playing the guitar, reading, and volunteering at the local animal shelter. So thank you so much yeah, for joining us today. Thank you. Well, as Rachel shared, you two are the co-founders of an app called Datability. Can you tell us a little bit more about the app? Um, I'm assuming I can download it on like my iPhone or something, but is that, you want to just share us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So Datability is really the only dating app for disabled and chronically ill communities. And yeah, it's, uh, we want it to be a modern dating experience. And so it's available on iPhones and Androids, and you can download that at the app store or Google play store. And it's also available on web apps. So people can use their browsers and go to databilityapp.com and access it from there because we really want to make sure that Datability is accessible for everyone who wants to use it. That is awesome. And I know our community will definitely love the app and love, you know, how there's a niche app for those with disabilities and chronic illnesses. Um, But can you tell us a little bit more about how you came up with the idea for the dating app and just kind of how it all got started. Yeah, so it started 
a few years ago when I graduated college and I started, I entered into the dating world and really started to use dating apps. And I would go on the mainstream dating apps and I would just start to have these really bad experiences whenever I had to disclose my disabilities. And I became disabled due to chronic illness as a teenager. And it really changed my whole perspective of life. And I would, you know, I always felt like I couldn't relate to anyone on the dating apps. People were, um, you know, really focusing on different things than me. And I really was looking for someone who aligned with my values and who didn't take life for granted. And I would run into these people who would just say like the most offensive things to me, like, that I shouldn't ever have biological kids because I could risk passing down my genetics and, um, you know, that I was too much of a burden or that it was too stressful to date someone like me. And so time and time again, I just, I, you know, I would like go off the dating apps for a while and then I would get the courage to go back on and this would happen all over again. Um, and then in October of 2021, I had to make the decision to get a feeding tube due to gastroparesis. And um, I really panicked. And I didn't know what my life would look like. Um, I didn't know how socializing would look like. And I, I remember talking to Alexa about it and saying, I just wish there was a dating app for people like me. And she said, just said, how about we do it? How about we make it? And, you know, that's what we did. We started it. So I know you shared a little bit, Jacqueline, about your um, chronic illness. Um, but do you want to share a little bit more about your experience with your illness and how, how you're doing today? Yeah. So I was diagnosed with um, dysautonomia, Ehlers-Danlos, and gastroparesis back in 2010. And my health um, was, for the most part, pretty stable, um, until around college and it really just took a downhill turn. And then after graduating college, I was diagnosed with lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. Um, and my gastroparesis got very severe. And so all in all, I've had over 40 surgeries and trying to manage my symptoms, you know, being a chronically ill person is really a full-time job. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm doing okay. I'm stable and I'm getting to a place where I feel okay in the body I'm in. Um, my symptoms haven't improved, but I'm learning to, to live with it. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all of that with us too. Yeah. Um, so going back to dating a little bit, you know, one thing that for burn survivors, they will face on dating apps is if their burns and scars aren't visible, when to disclose that information. So were you struggling when you were dating? And, you know, you mentioned that folks were saying rude and just mean things. Were, was that happening on the apps? Was that when you got in person? Or can you just share a little bit more about that with us? Yeah, it was pretty much all the time. I tried it both ways um, because I don't have any really visible disabilities. And so I relate to that. It's like everything is, is hidden. Um, you know, all my scars are, can be hidden by clothes and I would, you know, I would toy around with, do I just like right off the bat, tell them I have a chronic illness. Um, and then people would 
tell me horrible things. And then sometimes I would wait until it was like absolutely necessary. Like they were suggesting some outrageous activity that I couldn't do and I would still be rejected. And so it was really hard to, you know, to figure out when was the right time. Um, I think it's totally person by person, but my gut, it always says like when I feel comfortable with the person, that's when I can, I can disclose because I, I shouldn't feel like I am hiding if I don't say anything. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's personal. And Alexa, I would love to hear from you on, you know, how were you feeling seeing your sister go through these struggles and what, what was that like for you? Yeah, super frustrating. I mean, she's such a wonderful person. You know, her disabilities and chronic illnesses and her experiences have definitely shaped who she is. And I think for the better, um, there's a lot of people I've met in my life who crumble at like the smallest obstacle. And I think that Jacqueline is not like that. Um, and it's like a really good quality to have because ultimately, like no matter what, like eventually life is going to throw some crap your way. And so how you handle it, it is really important. And Jacqueline can take it all. And I think that that's really important, but it doesn't define her. And we live together um, and we have a very full relationship and it's fulfilling. And there's, of course, things that she can't do that I can do. And I do, I do on my own or do with friends, but that's never, you know, affected my happiness or our relationship. So I never understood like why all of these people were looking at something through a vacuum or being so short-sighted. I also thought, you know, ultimately, eventually the majority of us are going to age and disability if, at some point it's going to happen. Um, our dad one day woke up when he was in his 40s and couldn't walk anymore. He had severe rheumatoid arthritis. It just One day he went to bed, everything was normal, woke up the next day and could not walk. And he's never been the same since. And he was you know, perfectly healthy the first 40 years of his life. And so that can happen. And so in a way, I mean, I always take the attitude of good risk. These are the people who will not stick with you if something, you know, happens or shit hits the fan. And eventually a lot of people do face hardship, um, whether it's with their health or anything else. But at the same time, you know, she's so deserving and worthy of love. And I know that she, you know, wants to get married and maybe have children and have a family and whatever that may look like or whatever form that takes. And to not have that and to be rejected and to be made to feel unworthy or, undeserving of love was very frustrating. I can imagine. I know after, you know, my burn injury, while it's not the same as dating, right? I was married at the time, but you learn who your friends are too, right? Of who's willing to sacrifice what you can and can't do for, um, for your own health. So I think that's really an important message to put across because it's unfortunate that those things do have to happen and people can not be very nice, but it's not just with right dating. It can be with friendships as well. Oh, yeah, we've learned that like, through the pandemic, we're really, really safe, <clears throat> even still. And there are friends who will make like me because I'm they all understand Jacqueline, but they don't understand like why I'm so so safe. And there are friends who never give me grief about it and don't ever make me feel guilty. And there are friends who do make me feel like I should feel bad for asking them to take an extra step or to dine outdoors. And you've definitely like it's unfortunate, but it's like left me looking at people differently. Um, but we do like the friend thing is something real and Jacqueline's experienced it 
And eventually, sooner rather than later, we want to implement a friendship version of dateability on the app because personally, I think that both platonic and romantic relationships are just as important and they bring so much value to people's lives. And having that shared perspective and experience, even if you don't have the same disability, just like understanding what the other person mm-hmm. might be going through, because maybe you have walked a few feet in their shoes in the, you know, a little bit. I think that that's really important. So that's good you brought that up. Important. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the app. It's, it's currently strictly for dating, but is there um, a way to kind of, um, do you have to necessarily have a mental disability or chronic illness to join the app or is it specific? Like, what does it look like in terms of how it segments? Yeah, really anyone can join. Um, of course we made this app for people with all disabilities, um, physical, psychiatric, intellectual, and chronic illness. And then, of course, we want um, non-disabled people to join because we know that people are out there. Um, there's a lot of people on the app, like like my sister, who are familiar with chronic illness, like their parent has one or a friend, um, or they work in an advocacy organization. And we really wanted to just be inclusive. Um, but it's been a really nice place to just like foster this like understanding and the shared experience on the app. We have a section called dateability deets and it appears on every profile and it's an extensive list of just some broad terms like immunocompromised or wheelchair user mobility aid. And you can just select those and there's no diagnoses because we really want to respect privacy, but you can add those if you want. Um, but it's just a great way to just like neutralize whatever the situation is and normalize it, destigmatize it. And it's a great conversation starter also. And it's open to anyone in the United States, correct? Currently? We're currently available in the United States and Canada and Mexico, and it's completely free. So we really want people to just like join the community. You know, there's nothing to lose. We're not asking for any money and, um, yeah, just become a part of the community. Mm-hmm. And can you see, like, if I'm in Florida, right, and can you can find people in your area? Is that correct? Yeah. So right now, our location functions turned off. You know, we launched five months ago. We have over 4,000 oh, wow. users, but 4,000 is a lot. But at the same time, when you narrow it down by gender and sexuality, yeah, you don't have as many options as you might on the other apps. Eventually, we will get there, but it takes time. And we didn't want someone logging on and not seeing anybody in their area. It's just not a good user experience. And we sure. also know that a lot of times virtual companionship and virtual relationships, um, you know, are just as well. <clears throat> I don't, you know, I went to law school and college out east, miles away. So none of my friends live in Denver. Um, and so I have friends all over the country and we primarily communicate through technology. Um, and then at the same time, like, long distance relationships can form and then one person can move. I'm always joking. I need to import my person from another <laughs> So right now you'll see everyone that matches your age and gender sexuality preferences. Eventually when we do have this network effect and we have a ton of users on there, then we will turn that location function on. But right now we think that we really just want to build this community and that can be virtual, especially because the pandemic is mm-hmm. so many of our users that it's safer you know, to FaceTime and have a FaceTime. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I mean, we had Dan and Nadia on earlier in the season and he was from Canada and she was from Greece and ended up moving to Canada and they're madly mm-hmm. in love and married. So <laughs> yeah, I, that's the one, one of the positives that came out of the pandemic for sure is just the increased use of, mm-hmm. you know, technology Personal. and we're, yeah, we're breaking down barriers. You don't have to be in the same city. Um, and like you said, way safer to have a FaceTime date, at least initially, than meeting up with someone. <laughs> I think that's how they got together, too, is Dan and Nasia just started like a Facebook Messenger relationship, I think they said, and continued mm-hmm. that way. So, that, yeah, it's great that the, it's turned off so that, yeah, you don't feel excluded from that. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So can you just walk us through a little bit more of the process of signing up? I know you said you can download it on the App Store and Android and or even online, which I love too. But can you just, yeah, tell us, you know, what kind of information is required? What information can you add if you would like to, or what that, what that process is like? Yeah. So you'll sign up, verify um, your, who you are through your, e- through your email, you'll get a code sent to your email. And then you upload at least four pictures, maximum six. And, um, you know, we recommend that the pictures are, you know, some of you alone, some of you with friends doing stuff, whatever, it's up to the person. Uh, you enter in your height, your gender, your pronouns, your, I don't, your vaccination status in your school uh, location. These can be turned, like made private. There's an option for that under the settings. You still have to fill them out, but then you don't have to show them to other users. Um, the datability deets is optional. Um, you don't, you know, we want to respect boundaries. And so if you don't want to put, you know, what you're dealing with or what your situation is, that's totally fine. I think almost all of our users have selected the datability deets just as they feel seen. And it's like, oh, hey, we see you and we aren't judging you or shaming you or anything. And so it's been great, but it is optional. Um, and there's a bio and then we have a character limit to the bio, of course, we just, you know, something fun, leave some mystery for mm-hmm. the conversations. And then once you're done making your profile, you can go to the age Right, essentially set your age range and then start swiping. And the only way you can message somebody is if you match with them, just like the other app. So they have to like you back and then you can start messaging. Um, the important thing and what I think is different for our app, and I actually don't really know if the other apps do this, but our onboarding tutorial shows how the app works, but we also have safety resources. We think safety is really important, especially with this community, unfortunately. People think that the disabled community is, you know, more vulnerable or they view them as vulnerable, even if they're not. Um, And so we really want to educate our users and keep them safe. And so there's a safety tutorial, what not to do, never give out, you know, too much personal information. And those resources and tips are all, you know, reference back to them. They're all in the app under the settings, which is really nice. Um, And we are constantly trying to emphasize the importance of staying safe. Yeah, that's definitely important, um, especially online. And, you know, you never know who you're talking to behind the phone. So um, love that that's a priority for you. Can you tell me a little bit more? So it sounds like you guys are on the app as well, correct? Um, Have you matched with anyone? If that's okay for me to ask, are you using the app currently? Um, Or do you have any success stories of folks that have used your app and um, have met someone? Yeah, we're both on the app, and it's really funny because, like, we get this question a lot, and I'm like, wow, I'm too busy to actually, and so I need to grow dateability, and then I'll be like, 
okay, I can use this for real. But yeah, I mean, it's really cool to see other people using it. And, and you know, I match with them and we exchange a few words and it's really, really awesome to see the community growing. And we have heard of a few success stories and which is very incredible for such a uh, new app. Because sure. yeah. think about me being on like the mainstream dating apps for five plus years and I <laughs> never found anyone. And so the fact that people are actually starting relationships from datability is really exciting. And, you know, I think at this point over 15,000 messages have been exchanged all over wow. the app. And so people are really using it and really enjoying it. I think, you know, being having a chronic illness or a disability can feel really isolating and just having this safe space where people understand you and you can just like be yourself is really comforting. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. And I loved, you mentioned earlier about maybe a next phase is to kind of have that friendship part of it. And I just can see that taking, you know, taking off because even just, you match with someone and maybe you are just better friends, but to have those, those commonalities that you can bond over, like you said, it's a great conversation starter. Um, I just can see that being a really, really awesome avenue for the app to go in. Yeah. We're hoping that we're able to implement that this summer. You know, when we started this, we were thinking of it just strictly as a dating app. And then we started talking to people who are in relationships one is just either they're injury-abled, one's disabled, or they both are. But either way, they both, every time we talked to somebody, there was this common theme of like, you know, I totally understand because I don't have a ton of platonic friends. I became, or I became disabled after I got married in my 40s. And a lot of my platonic friends just kind of, you know, suffered as a result because we couldn't do the same activities we used to do, or they just didn't understand what I was going through. And we kept hearing that. Um, we've also noticed that we have a pretty large female following. All the other dating apps have this issue where there's more men than women on the apps. And so they like match.com doesn't charge like women to join because there's just so many men and not enough women. And we actually have the opposite issue. We have more women than men. So for any men who are listening, please sign up. But also <laughs> it'll be great. The friendship will be really great for that, for the female community, of course, male too, but because we have such a strong female presence like that, it'll really um, make waves there too. Yeah, I can totally see that. Um, but yeah, that, that sounds like an awesome next step, um, and a natural next step for the app too. Um, so I want to kind of dive back into dating a little bit and, you know, Jacqueline, you shared how you, you maybe took some time off from dating because you were just getting, you know, mean and hurtful responses. Um, how did you get back into dating or what, I guess, what advice would you give to, you know, a survivor who's listening, who did, you know, maybe has had a few bad dating experiences and it's just like, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm over it. Yeah. It can be really hard to just get back in into it after discouraging or bad experiences. But I always think like you have to put yourself out there, <laughs> you know, we can't get an Amazon delivery of the perfect partner, <laughs> which, yeah, I wish we could. It's a bummer, right? <laughs> I think dating apps are kind of like the closest thing to that. Um, but I truly think that there is a person for everyone, really multiple perfect people for everyone. And I I just think that you, you just have to put yourself out there and realize that I internalized a lot of the 
negative stuff that I was hearing from the dating apps. And I was made to feel like I was unworthy or that I actually was a burden to date. And just through therapy and through talking with friends and family, I realized that it just, it's not about me. It says a lot more about the other person if they can't accept me for who I am. Alexa, so you talk a little bit too about how you created the app, right? For your sister as well, um, or together per se. Um, What was that process like to just kind of say, we're going to do this and go in and and decide to create an app? Yeah. um, I'm an attorney, so I'm a problem solver and a problem creator, but a problem solver by nature. Like I really like fixing things. And so I, you know, I did panic for Jacqueline when she had to get her feeding tube and thought about like how it would affect our relationship because we, you know, typically I'll cook for her. Um, and I, you know, or would there be guilt if I was eating in front of her because we live together so I have to eat and stuff like that. And so I was thinking like, this is going to be really hard to date. And I've already known what she's faced. So I just don't know how people are going to understand. It's wrong for them to not understand, but that's just the reality, you know, and I'm not going to change other people's behaviors. We can do that. You know, the disabled community can do that with allies and try to make progress like we have with so many other marginalized populations. But like, that's not up to just us to fix. And that's going to take a lot of work and a lot of time. But we can change the social experiences of this community by creating this safe space. Um, So when we decided to do that, I went to Office Depot, got a notebook, pens, went to the hospital where she was recovering and sat with her. And we literally drew a roadmap of what we wanted the app to look like. And then started looking for developers. Neither of us code or have tech uh, experience. And we found a great team actually locally and they brought our vision to life. I mean, we had designed everything. Jacqueline designed the logos. She has some graphic design experience and um, it was a long process, but the real work for us started after we launched. Um, Now we just grind all the time looking for investors, podcasts, trying to market, um, you know, just customer service. We wear all of the hats. Um, we are starting to expand a little bit so we don't have to do everything or more fill in the gaps um, of what you know, we just can't do because we don't have the experience. Um, but yeah, we're doing everything. I'll be up at like three in the morning responding to customer service emails. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been the world of entrepreneurship is crazy. Um, mm-hmm. I think I underestimated where every startup founder has ever gone through. I have a lot of respect for everybody now because it's a wild ride, but it's, we're learning so much. And the other day we were on a walk and I was like, so you know that startup founders, they often create multiple startups. And I was like, what would our next startup be? (laughs) And is in a solid place and we can go on to the next venture. So I'm already thinking like 20 steps ahead. (laughs) Jacqueline's like, let's calm down. I can't. (laughs) I'm out of ideas. This is it. <laughs> well, that's for a record label. Yes. And then, but that didn't involve you. No. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so what is, what has it been like working together as sisters and kind of building this? Has that been, what, what are the pros and cons of going into business with your sister? <laughs> yeah, it's been really good. Um, honestly, and it's really nice that well, we live together. So it's like, if, you know, 
I have one quick question. It can be done in 30 seconds. Um, if we need to practice something, we can do, we can get that done. Um, we really haven't had any big blow-up fights. And if we <laughs> have a little disagreement, it ends in about two minutes. Um, one of us gives in. Yes, one of us gives in. Um, but it's been really great because we're both so comfortable with each other. So we can be completely honest. Um, we can tell others, the other person that, oh, you're annoying me. Let's just like table this for now. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> um, and then it's really nice because Alexa does understand my limitations. You know, running a business with a chronic illness, it's really tiring and it's really, it's really hard. And so there are days where I just can't can't get what I need to done. So Alexis understanding is like, okay, it's totally fine if you have to take the day and just relax or take a couple hour nap. It's, so it's nice to have someone who who gets it. Mm-hmm. And I guess sometimes you'll be like on the computer for like five hours straight, and I'm like, you need to stop. Like you. You're playing a long game here, and it's a marathon, not a sprint. So just stop. Like, you don't need to be on for five hours because if you over push yourself, then tomorrow's a waste. You're not going to be able to do anything. And so, um, because I'm comfortable, you know, I think if it was like a, like a friend or a stranger that you found it this with, they would never be able to tell you that. But no. because I'm your older sister, I just bully you into it. Yes. <laughs> I love And you're that. both in Colorado, correct? Yeah, we're in Denver. So does that, um, does the Denver community, do you find that you have a a large base of the Denver community because you are very well connected in that area or? um... I definitely see people from Colorado and from the area. And I think it, it's, there's a couple reasons. One, because we're based here. So yes, people have heard of us here, but also the Colorado community is, is very, very active and places a lot of emphasis on living an active lifestyle. And if you don't do that, you know, you're, you're taking up space. And, um, and I found that a lot when dating, it was like the first couple questions were like, Oh, do you hike? Do you rock climb? Do you do this? And I felt embarrassed to say, no, I don't, or no, I can't. And I think that I think a lot of people do see that who who are chronically ill. They see that like Colorado is is inaccessible in a lot of places, like even the small mountain towns, like there's like something as simple as their sidewalks being horrible um, is is just really eye opening and people can really relate to it. The fact that, yeah, Colorado people are like adventure nuts <laughs> yeah we have the highest life expectancy but with that like comes this other side where everyone places this emphasis on like health and needing they will literally write like looking for a partner who is healthy or looking for a partner who cares about their health and it's really like bizarre to me i've never seen that anywhere else i don't i mean i also haven't been on the dating apps in any other city but i think that's like especially true here mm. Yeah, I think there's something too, right? Like where you live can be also affecting of like your dating, right? Life of what you're doing in that area and whatnot. So I'm sure that's, it adds that extra level of challenge when you're dating in a place where everyone is super active and you're, you have your limitations, especially with things like hiking and rock climbing. That's not just a gentle sport, right? (laughs) 
Definitely. So if we have, let's just say a listener who, you know, downloads the app, doesn't have, you know, a disability or a chronic illness, but doesn't care if their partner does, what advice, I guess, would you maybe give them on, you know, I sometimes fall into this of I'm not always sure what to say or how to ask, or is that something I shouldn't be doing and let, let the other person bring that information to me? Yeah. I mean, you could answer as someone who yeah. doesn't um, have a disability. You know, actually there was this Washington post quiz, like, are you ableist or how ableist are you? It came out last week. I um, was looking at the questions and one was like, if you see someone who's blind at a crosswalk and it's not an audible pedestrian, you know, like where it beeps to let you know, what do you do? And I gave you a bunch of options. And one was like, you take them by the hand and like start leading them off. The other, it, and the other option was you, you ask them if they'd like help crossing the street. And the, that was actually the correct answer. So I think, you know, there's like a delicate balance of trying to be like trying to coddle and then, infantilize a person and be like, Oh my God, let me take care of you versus just being like, Hey, I see you. And I'm like, you know, I'm here. And if you need anything, let me know, please. Like don't hesitate to ask. Um, I know Jacqueline, like you, we were talking about this the other day too, actually, you were seeing a guy who never once asked you a single question about your disability or chronic illness. And you didn't like that. Mm -hmm. Um, then there are people who ask you like super invasive questions, but I think ignoring it too is kind of, um, makes you upset yeah. yeah I know it would make me upset so yeah. Talk about what it's like yeah receiving end uh, I think I think asking questions is for me is okay I think there's a lot of people who who feel who might feel the same way as me like it's okay if you ask a question I mean I think most people know if they're if it's gonna be if it's offensive or not and the intention definitely yeah. matters um but I, I enjoy people asking about it and wanting to learn more. I mean, if it's like you're asking because you're really nosy and you are going to use it against me, that's one thing. But if you're, you genuinely care, um, like feel free to ask away. And yeah. And I think it's also for non-disabled people. Like if someone does say that something is offensive, you have to believe them and you have to, and, and just because you didn't intend it that way still doesn't make it not offensive if someone's offended by it. Yeah. I think we get that a lot, even just in the burn survivor community of like, maybe you didn't mean for that to be offensive, but it felt that way to me, or you said something, or maybe even didn't say something and just stared at me that made me feel uncomfortable, even though um, so I think it's important to, to recognize as somebody who, right, like deals with these things that like, they're not going <laughs> to, they're not going to always say the right thing, but I think it's like how your willingness or that person's willingness to accept the fact that, like you said, it is, you're going to maybe say something uncomfortable or out of line, but I will <laughs> let you know when that, right. Or being willing to let you know when that happens. Yeah, exactly. Jacqueline has a large scar on her chest, um, the comments she gets from like doctors like doctors or nurses when they see it like mm. oh god and it's like I always tell her to mess with them and be like wait what like oh my god have <laughs> because it's like obviously like I know yeah. I have a scar and stuff like that you know instead of, you, instead somebody could say oh like what happened there you know and I think that's okay right. but being like oh, like, oh, like did you ever think to get that fixed yeah I'm like. Mm -hmm. No, like that is not there. Are, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah. 
<laughs> and it can be mm-hmm. tough when we have like a medical professional say that because I think I've had that too where I've gone to like even like OBGYNs who have like uncomfortably said something or or like touched it right and like I'm like that is not I'm not in a place where like I will give you that permission and so um I think like just because they're doctors means that they are also human and so I've I've mm-hmm. had to say like hey I wasn't comfortable with that right or whatnot but it it we have this like expectation I think that a medical professional is supposed to be know how to handle those but that's just not the case it doesn't always happen that way but it can make us feel really uncomfortable so Mm -hmm. um yeah the best you can do is speak up about it but also knowing that you know I have to go into I feel like I go into a, a situation like a doctor's appointment sometimes with fear of having to have that conversation just like I do with any other human out there in the world. Like I have to walk into this conversation knowing that they're probably going to ask. And sometimes I prefer to say, speak up first just so that I get it out of the way. So I can let them know how I feel because it, it can be. And then there's days I don't want to talk about it. And then of course that's the day they say something that makes me uncomfortable. So. I, I saw someone, um, I, I believe his name's Carson Tuller on Instagram and he is a wheelchair user and he was disabled. Um, I'm pretty sure by a car accident. And I think um, a nurse asked him like, quote, like what happened to you? And he said, if it's not relevant to this appointment, I'm not going to share it. And I thought that was really powerful. Mm -hmm. That is really powerful. Yeah. Yeah, We have a tool that I think, and really anyone in the world can use um, called rehearse your response. And, you know, we train burn survivors specifically on, you know, if you are getting stares or if someone's asking you questions and you're not in the mood to answer that day. And that's OK of, of having that, you know, one or two sentence line of, you know, this my burn injury happened five years ago. I'm doing OK now. Thanks for asking. That's all I care to discuss today. So, you know, I think that's you can use those in person or on an app, too, if you. Yeah, oh, I, would sure. I would totally need that training because I would probably be like, take a picture to last longer. Stop staring. <laughs> Rude. And there is like I feel like every person handles it differently. Right. Like I may some, say something sarcastic because I'm just annoyed with you at that moment in time. But mm-hmm. there are other folks that like it's like, I'm not sure what to say. Right. So like smiling back or whatnot. So uh, you guys remind me of my sister and I, and I am more of Alexa's side of like a little bit more aggressive with my responses. Um, but they're not, everyone is like, right. The us's of the world that are aggressive <laughs> and will come out with something. Mm-hmm. But I think in that moment too, it's really hard because in that moment I tend to become more like Jacqueline and be like shy and not sure what to say because you're just not prepared for it all the time. But, um, and I then think you're like, oh, I should have said this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right after you're like, oh, I, I definitely should have said the sarcastic thing that Alexa would have said. Yes. <laughs> it's also easier for me because it's not about me. Like anytime I was out with Jacqueline and somebody would say, you know, say something or give her grief about parking and the disabled parking, like it's not, you're not attacking me. You're attacking my family, but then like my protective side comes out. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, I say, I'd say all these things. Maybe I would. But maybe I wouldn't because, you know, it's like per- why it's so different when it is about you as a, as a um, person instead of, you know, watching somebody go through it or just imagining. But I don't know. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure I get in the fights. I'm sure. Yeah, my husband, my husband's like that, too. I mean, in terms of like if you make my husband mad because somebody said something to me, he's the one that and in the case of the doctor that I just talked about 
my husband was the one that called up the phone and told, told the doctor, like, that was not okay. Um, because I was too afraid to say something. So mm-hmm. I think when it comes to like a family member, uh, you will speak up because you know, they're kind of afraid or embarrassed to do that for them. So mm-hmm. how did the doctor respond? Um, and admittedly, the doctor had said, yes, I, I recognize that she was uncomfortable in that moment. Um, so yeah, and it did make me very uncomfortable and like, I left the appointment in tears. So for my husband, right. As somebody, Alexa, who, um, is caring for a loved one, like seeing that person upset because something happened that made you uncomfortable. Um, so needless to say, I, yeah, I've, I've learned my lesson and go into those appointments very like with, Mm -hmm. with a certain, you know, objective in mind, knowing like, this is a conversation that I, and, and sometimes the right doctor, right, knows how to handle that. So for me, it's been, okay, that's not a provider I want to associate myself with right now. And I, I'm not afraid to switch, but um, it does make me uncomfortable. <laughs> so yeah, mm-hmm. but knowing like my husband will stick up for me, like if I can't do it myself. And sometimes it's great to have that ally with you that mm-hmm. is going to stick up for you regardless. Yeah. And that's just such an important part of, of dealing with any sort of health issue or chronic illness is just having that support mm-hmm. system and mm-hmm. I'm to have it in my sister and my other family members and you know eventually we'll I'll find that in a partner but um yeah it's really an important part it takes mm-hmm. time yeah and yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> it's definitely like finding the right person and I luckily found mine before the accident right but I can imagine how much more challenging it can be to find someone who completely respects me, not just for right the inside, but the outside as well. And, and both both of those components together mm-hmm. can be difficult. I, and I think, you know, for in your situation, because you met your husband before, you both had a different reality to adjust to and learn together. Whereas like for right. Jacqueline, she's been dealing with this for 15 years. So they're gonna have a, such a, you know, quite the learning curve to catch up. Um, especially, but if they are disabled or chronically ill and they meet on dateability, then they already have some of that knowledge and background and experience, or if they're able-bodied, but have been working with organizations and stuff like that. Or even in your case, right, Alexa, if it's someone who has grown up with someone who's been in that situation, I think it's easier. I know, like, I understand things more on this end, having been through this experience, um, than someone maybe who hasn't, right. Or family members that haven't. So if you know someone, I think it makes it more relatable to understand what those pers- those people go through. Yeah. And I think even if you, you know, so you have burns, it's to, you can't relate to, you know, you guys don't have the same diagnoses, but you can understand. And that's, what's important. We don't believe that a, some person with one disability or chronic illness has to date somebody with the exact same diagnoses. Like that's right. so limiting. We're not trying to do that, but there's just that this shared perspective and value that I think the people you were talking to in the mainstream dating apps, it is a learning curve that they clearly were not for, you know, they're not going to catch up. They're not, they don't want to learn. They don't care. They can just swipe on to the next person who is quote unquote, like easier and mm-hmm. less of a burden, but mm-hmm. dateability, they might have a completely different diagnosis than you, but they understand. Um, and there's some like commonality there, which I think is important. Yeah, I think there's some level of understanding to trauma or not even trauma, like in your case, right? Like you may not have had a traumatic event, but you've been through, you know, a a lot of struggles that somebody who's never had to struggle before just doesn't have that understanding or really be be able to comprehend that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And I mean, I loved how even just we started the podcast today of, you know, you shared about your dad, how he just woke up one day and this had happened to him. And, you know, if you think about the traditional wedding vows, you do say in sickness and in health. And, you know, regardless if that's before, during or after, you know, these things do come up. And it, I think one of you mentioned that, you know, it tells you a lot more about the other person than it does about yourself. And I think that's so important in dating and friendships, just going down the street and, you know, dealing with the public in general. Yeah, I've seen a lot of stories on Twitter, mostly about people who are getting long COVID and their partners leave them after years mm -hmm. leads together. And I mean, our parents are still married, what is it, 35 years almost? Something like crazy Over, like yeah. that. And, <laughs> you know, no, my mom never predicted what would happen to my dad. Of course not. He couldn't predict it either. But they navigated that together. Um, and, you know, now they're caring. And Jacqueline was not sick when that happened. And so um, in a way, it kind of set them up for a little bit of experience yeah. with you um, and hunting for doctors and hunting for an answer. And, yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't imagine that. But you really want someone, of course, like other things can come up. But you really want to find someone who's not going to leave you just because you get sick because yeah. that is, it is very, unfortunately, that is like the future mm -hmm. for most whether it happens at 80 or happens at 50 or 25, eventually something is going to happen. It's and if it's not the case, like I know, you know, my husband has stuck with me through it all, but some, not all survivors or, you know, anyone have that same experience. But in that case, I say like, you know what, if that person's not willing to stick with you through that, then was it really a relationship that you wanted to be in, in the, in the beginning? So for me, it was like, I've, grown stronger with my husband because I know that he's been through all of that with me. Um, and I think you deserve, right. Someone who's going to do that regardless, because you, like you said, you just never know when someone could wake up one day and, and have, you know, another illness or something that they just came on overnight. So, um, I think it's really important in that scenario to know, like, it's okay if I don't find the one right away, because they are out there, like you said, but, um, it does take some time and recognizing that if they weren't there there for the right reasons, then it wasn't meant to be. Mm -hmm. I know. I always want to comment. I'm so sorry to hear this. Join dateability. And I'm like, but maybe I should let this settle because I literally just got done. <laughs> but I, always, I want to be like, he's, they sucked. Like, it's fine I'm here. But no, I agree with you. And, you know, it could be not even help, help like an accident, you know. Um, right. Right. The number of times I see people speeding down our street and I think like, what if I was crossing the street walking my dog? You know, you just don't know. Like, mm -hmm. it's so fragile and unpredictable. Um, and it just, yeah, you want someone for the long haul and good things come to those who wait. So, mm -hmm. it's, but it's worth it. That's awesome. Well, I know we're coming up on time here, so I do want to save some time for a few last questions, but um, what's next for kind of dateability and um, what should we tell our listeners who are, are you know, listening in today on uh, to stay up to date on your app or, or the, the great things that are coming? Yeah. So right now we're really just focusing on spreading the word and making sure that anyone who is looking for an app like this or who might want to know about it actually knows about it. So, um, you know, if you, most people know someone who's disabled or a someone who has a chronic illness. So if they're single or they're looking for friends, you know, just to help us spread the word. Um, 
We're always posting on social media, on Instagram, at Datability App, and on Facebook. And we, you know, we love feedback. Mm -hmm. We love to make the app the best place it can be. Um, and so if you, if you ever have any feedback, shoot us an email, a DM, and, you know, we always take everything very seriously. And right now we're implementing a profile verification feature, which should be out in about two weeks. So that'll help. You'll know if the profile is verified that they're not catfishing you. We think that's going to be really important and kind of give our users a sense of an additional sense of safety. And the app itself, is there a cost to sign up or is there a cost to use it? No, it's completely free. Completely free. That is absolutely wonderful. I love that. <laughs> awesome. Well, we do always ask as our guests some final last questions. So I can ask mine first. Um, so <laughs> we typically ask, you know, a lot of our guests are burn survivors. So we ask them about celebrating their burn anniversary. But I thought, uh, you know, a twist on that for the both of you would be, could you just share what your ideal date night would look like? Ooh. Oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> I, like, I think I'm a lone wolf forever. Maybe it is ironic as a founder of a dating app. <laughs> I've been a date in like years. Oh, okay, that's yeah. not true. She caught in a lie. What? Um, <laughs> but I think my ideal date would be, I think a nice picnic in a park like near in like an urban area so that like after when you get dinner um you can go get ice cream after and mm -hmm. say that as love good ice cream yes i say this <laughs> eating too but i still love food um and i used to go home right after yeah i love ice cream. so um yeah, I think that would be my ideal date. And then if once we're, uh, you know, actually dating, I'm a homebody for life. So a good <laughs> movie, Netflix or reality TV, that's mm. my deal. I was so gonna you're in good company because Rachel and I are huge reality TV fans. So, oh, so we live off of basically. It's embarrassing. I was actually <laughs> a miscongeniality joke that my ideal date is April 25th because it's not too hot and not too cold. <laughs> Um, but I, so pre pandemic, I loved hockey and I always wanted to find a guy who would take me to a, to a hockey game and we could eat a big pretzel. Um, <laughs> I, you know, Not too much to ask there. My social life looks very different, but I do like the picnic idea because for a first date, because you got to talk to the person. Yes. Like I do love live music and concerts, but you cannot, like, I do not want to be speaking to you then. Like if you're talking yeah. to a concert, then I'm never going to see you again. Um, but I think like that's concerts and sporting events would be fun for when you're dating and a first date, like maybe I really like craft cocktails and like prohibition era mm. cocktails. So maybe like an outdoor patio with some good cocktails and olives, some string lights on the some patio. string lights on the patio. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you guys I are not only those. making me, you're making me hungry as well. I'm hearing <laughs> soft pretzels and ice cream. So those sound like my ideal dates and I'm not <laughs> dating. So, uh, and I guess in terms of reality TV, do we have a favorite that we're currently watching or that we just finished watching? Well, we're Bravo people. So, okay. Um, you know, we're really are you, do you guys watch Vanderpump Rules? 
I don't really. I'm more of the summer house. So I and I also I live in Charleston, so I'm Southern charm, Southern hospitality. Yeah, I love all the trashy, dumb, drunk people on my screen. <laughs> I want to go to Charleston. It's on our list. The history there is incredible. Well, Rachel yeah. will be there waiting for you when you come yes. visit. <laughs> Let me know. But no, what did we we watched the Love is Blind reunion last night and I was It was such a bore. It was not worth it. I just I I'm a huge Love is Blind fan and I was like, what did I wait for? No, and I didn't like the questioning all the questioning about the babies at the like was it triggered me, really triggered me. I did not appreciate it. It was very uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, and you could tell that they were all uncomfortable with it. Like, no one wanted to answer. Yeah. And it's no. it's 2023. We know we don't ask those questions anymore. Like, no. I was like, Vanessa, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't have with Ortiz. Who's Barnett? Oh, that's the other guy from yeah. first season. Yeah. Ortiz mm-hmm. with this baby who we did not have with another Love is Blind contestant. So, like, right. unclear. Like, it's like being like, have one of these. I was like, oh, like, let's not yeah. push this narrative. Like, to each their own. But it was a big. Yeah, it was just and she brought it up like multiple times, yeah. which made me very uncomfortable as well. So yeah, yeah no, we all the Bravo. Yeah. We just we ditched the Bachelor. Yes, fortunately, we ditched. Yeah, that. it's on its way out for sure. I still watch because I have to watch, but it's definitely on its way out. <laughs> Look, I was like, no, I don't want to watch this anymore. I don't like this platform. I don't like what they stand for. But we would get like, sucked into it. But this time, Zach was so boring that Jacqueline finally was like, all right, we don't have to watch anymore. And I was like, we're yeah. <laughs> done. <laughs> so you're looking for someone that likes to watch a ton of reality TV as well is what we're hearing yeah. out of this. <laughs> we watch like, good TV too, though. Yes. We watch Yellow Jackets. Yeah, Yellow Jackets, Yellow Stone. Like, we... <laughs> Love it all. We love our TV. Like, yeah, so. big TV. Good TV. That's right. Potato. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. I do love to be a couch potato too, as well in the evenings, especially after you're working a long day. So it sounds like you could definitely use some reality binging. Well, yeah. <laughs> our final question. I think I know the answer to some of this. Is we always want to know what self care looks like. We're big about self care on this show. So, um, what does self care look like for the two of you? Definitely TV. Um, I love baths. Um, I, I love a good bath. Bath, is that what you said? Yes. Yep. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm a queen of baths over here myself. So. Um, and, you know, I, I try to go on a long walk with my dog every day just to get, get out, get some fresh air. Um, and, yeah, just like being really kind to myself is, is mm. important. Yeah, um, TV. I started running during the pandemic, and so I try to run like almost every day. It's pretty meditative. I really like it. Um, and because I work from home, I'm so confined to this space. Getting out and running around my neighborhood and getting out into the world is kind of breaks mm-hmm. up the monotony. Um, and I try to get eight hours of sleep every night. <laughs> try. That's a big one. It's hard, though, especially with all that reality TV, right? Yeah, <laughs> waking up in the middle of the night. But I try. So um, that's really important to me. So if you're listening to this, don't contact Dateability while they should be sleeping. Or if a live <laughs> reunion is supposed to be airing on Netflix. <laughs> I will because I will answer. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, it's been such a pleasure having the two of you on the show. We will make sure we include all of the links we talked about today in our show notes. Um, and any last final words for those listening out there um, or advice for, for those that want to start dating on dateability? Yeah. You know, just take it one swipe at a time. You never know who you'll match with and you just really never know what, what could come out of it. So, you know, give it time and, and be, be courageous. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. It was a pleasure. Yes. We'll talk to you real thank soon. You. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Girls with Grafts. If you are enjoying this content, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.